Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Developing the Leader Within podcast. I'm Enrique, and today I am so happy to have with me Rich Farley. He is a human performance and human error professional. He's working with Fantail Services, uh, and we're going to be talking about leadership and human performance and some other things that will enlighten you about that arena. Uh, Rich, first of all, thank you for being with me today and sharing your time. Thanks for having me, Enrique. It's an honor to be here, and I appreciate uh, the opportunity. So thanks uh, very much. Thank, thank you for, for being here. Um, folks, uh, there's a lot to be learned in what is called human performance. And Rich, I know that you're about to throw some knowledge at us and get us up to speed as best you can. Uh, but tell us a little bit about how you got into it and what you're doing with it. You bet. Um, so I have a, my background is, uh, is interesting. I look at it like a quilt because there's a lot of things that I've done in my, in my, uh, my professional career. I've had um, such wonderful opportunities, uh, which all started uh, with the United States Air Force. So I'm a 27 year um, veteran in the U.S. Air Force, uh, retired in 2014. Uh, I came in in uh, 87, 86, 87 timeframe. And, um, you know, I worked in uh, in the maintenance career field for about five years, and then uh, uh, cross trained into combat rescue. And there, I was uh, I was what's now considered a a special mission aviator at the at the time they they called them flight engineers and MH and HH60 uh, flight engineer, and and uh, we did combat rescue and special operations. And so I had the honor of flying in that community uh, for the for a little over a decade. Um, at which point uh, I, I, I finished grad school and then I became a uh, what's called an aerospace and operational physiologist. That's kind of the bio biomedical science core of the Air Force or one of the positions within the Air Force uh, biomedical science core. And that's where I really got into kind of the official realm of human performance. And it wasn't until I got into that space where I realized that I've been practicing human performance philosophies and methodologies my whole time in the Air Force. And so um, it, it was a subject matter that was very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and uh, I jumped in it with, with both feet and had the opportunity to work with some amazing people that taught me uh, everything I know today, to be honest. So uh, I did that for about uh, 13 years or so. Uh, I worked with um, acceleration physiology at the centrifuge. Uh, I worked with uh, uh, F-16 fighter operations at Luke Air Force Base for about four years. Um, I worked with the, uh, the Air Force uh, Safety Center, which is their kind of command for um, all things safety and safety investigations for uh, mishaps and accidents, those types of things. And then uh, my career finally uh, ended up, uh, believe it or not, with the Aloha tour at uh, the Pacific Command in Hawaii. So I... You know, at that point, I was like, I don't think I can really top off this. Um, it was a blessing to be able to go there and, and do some great work at the uh, Pacific Air Command. So, um, yeah, it was a really interesting uh, ride, and, and I learned a lot. 
at that point, I went on to the civilian work sector. Um, I had an opportunity to work with a, uh, a nuclear and non-nuclear power generation company, uh, Arizona Public Service, great company. Uh, they've been around for, gosh, over 100 years and, uh, you know, creating energy for uh, a large portion of the Southwest. And so um, I worked there and their corrective action program and their uh, human performance program kind of stood up a little bit of uh, their newer uh, human performance efforts. And I did that for a couple of years, uh, did some consulting on my own, and then had this really cool opportunity to go and work with Mitsubishi Aircraft Corporation. And they're a uh, they're an aircraft design and flight test organization, and they were building a new aircraft. And so I had the opportunity to work with a, a bunch of folks um, and stand up a, a safety and human performance program within that organization as well. And now I've got the opportunity to, uh, to teach again uh, with, uh, with Fantail Services and some of the great things that they're offering uh, organizations across the world. So it, it, it's, been a, it's been a great ride. And, uh, I'm looking forward to what the future holds. Well, that's an outstanding history there. And, and and there was one piece that made me smile because I had a 13-year Aloha tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know exactly what you mean by being blessed to have been there. Uh, definitely my uh, one of my final destination type of places. Yeah. Uh, and 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 what a what a tour. But um so we're talking about specifically leadership and human performance and human error. And so first, uh, can you explain to us what human performance and human error is? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then more importantly, because there are some facets of it that really do impact leadership. And, you know, the lack of being able to manage some of those things really affects organizations. So let's talk a little bit about that. You bet. So that's that's kind of a, a super broad question. What is human performance and human error? So I kind of like to just dial that down a little bit and just say, you know, human performance is how we behave and act physically and cognitively every day. Uh, there are several sciences that kind of guide us in that space. Um, and, you know, it, it's, 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 whether it's on work or personal time, how we function as a human being, you know, here on earth, that's what encapsulates uh, human performance. Um, far too often organizations are, uh, you know, they're focused on the product and maybe not the process. And uh, what I've found in my, in my professional history is that uh, in a lot of cases, they, uh, not purposefully, but just unknowingly to folks, they don't necessarily focus on the human being that's actually performing the work. And those those uh, those challenges or those everyday uh, um, issues that uh, workers face, uh, whether they're at work or, or at home, things that affect them at home that eventually can affect them at work as well. So, um, so we take a look at human performance kind of from a fundamental point of view. We look at some of the sciences that garner uh, you know, human performance. And then um, we also look at human error too. And we, we define what that is. Human error are simply mistakes. They're not purposeful. Uh, nobody goes out and, and, and knowingly wants to make mistakes. That's a whole nother realm uh, within performance. Um, but we want to look at error as 
learning opportunities. Um, so we kind of break that down and we look at uh, error even deeper with regard to active error and latent error. And I don't want to get into the weeds too much about that, uh, but you know, a lot of organizations, particularly leadership, they might not understand the reality that a lot of the error that's occurring in their in their organization uh, is more than likely stemming from um, latent, dormant conditions that uh, that they themselves can fix, uh, but they don't know about it. They're unaware. So what we like to do is uh, is to teach folks, you know, open, pull that curtain back, and say, hey, this is what we're going to look at from a human performance point of view, and then remind folks. These are some things that leaders need to be able to understand and act upon within the organization, because we know that, you know, leaders influence the people that are in their organization. That's what makes them a leader. Right. And so it, it's what they're systematically paying attention to that makes a difference. And in a lot of cases, they just they just don't know what they don't know. And uh, and so part of what we're what we're trying to do is to bring that. Um, to the forefront of their cross check and uh, and educate them, give them some information or what I refer to as decision quality information so that they can better uh, manage their day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year um, errors, increase efficiencies, and ultimately uh, you know conduct safer operations. Wow, Richie, you mentioned uh, this one word uh, dormant. Yeah. And it just made my hair stand up because a lot of the things that we see today have been there for a while and they've just been laying low, laying low and then just adding and adding. And then all of a sudden you have an issue, you have a, a problem that arises and you're wondering where did this come from? Yeah. And uh, that dormant stage in era is so critical and it takes a lot of attention uh, on the leadership side, <laughs> attention to be able to see those things come to play or hopefully grab them as soon as they start sprouting up. So it, it brings me up to, to attention management, right? Yeah. <laughs> because it's, it's one of those things that, so situational awareness. So how does situational awareness, uh, you know, achieved because you got to get there, right? You got to get situationally aware. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, so how is situational awareness uh, achieved and maintained? Yeah, great uh, and, question. And, great question. Um, you know, um, so a lot of communities uh, look at situational awareness as uh, potentially just an individual uh, capability um, I like to look at it as both an individual capability and an organizational one. And so we want to focus on that organizational situational awareness. But essentially, situational awareness is being aware of having an accurate perception of your surroundings, being able to forecast what you think might happen based on those awarenesses, uh, do a quick risk assessment, you know, uh, kind of go through a checklist of if this, then that, and then make the best decision possible and then act on it. And this is a very, you know, in some cases, a remarkably quick process uh, that we go through um, 
all the time. For example, when you get in your car uh, first thing in the morning, you know, you got your you got your coffee in one hand and your keys in the other, and you're kind of going through your mental checklist of, okay, I'm going to start the car, you know, put my seatbelt on. You're going through these kinds of things. What are some of the other things that you're that you're noticing uh, with regard to the environment that you're about to go into that will help you build this awareness of, hey, how am I going to get from point A to point B safely uh, and effectively, efficiently, you know, without incident? Um, and so that's kind of what, uh, what situational awareness is in a nutshell for individuals, but let's talk about organizational situational awareness. How do leaders, senior leaders at an organization of, you know, hundreds of people, what are they looking at from a macro point of view and how are they building that decision quality information every day? Uh, sometimes on the hour at a shift change. Uh, night shift versus day operations. You know, I mean, there's dozens and dozens of different things that we should and can be looking at to build situational awareness to help us walk through that model and, uh, and basically understand the threats and hazards that are out there, uh, maybe not only for individuals, but for teams and the entire organization, and then, uh, you know, combat them in, a, in an efficient manner. So that's where we're going with regard to the situational awareness education. Outstanding. You know, that, uh, you, bring, you, you bring a great point. Uh, most of the time when we talk about awareness, we're talking about ourselves. Uh, and there are different uh, stages of awareness. And you have to be key to, keen to all of those stages, especially at the leadership level. Uh, that Number one, they, they, they exist and that you are a participant in those. Um, <laughs> So given the climate that we're in, because, you know, there is a lot going on. Uh, and especially now, I, I don't think I've heard about mental states and mental health uh, as I have heard it before, but not as much as it is today, because there's been a lot of worldwide change all at once for everyone. So there's a... a, a a level of fatigue that has been built up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it, and it definitely affects human performance and attention spans and uh, and just all kinds of things. So in, in the realm of fatigue management, uh, what is human fatigue, number one? And, and we kind of know what is uh, uh, the body fatigue, but what is human fatigue and how does it uh, in a sense, affect both individuals and organizations. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point, Enrique. Um, probably one of the biggest uh, contributors to error, uh, quite frankly, is is fatigue, uh, unmanaged fatigue, uh, human fatigue, and and that is just a, a lack of uh, a lack of sleep or some type of circadian dysrhythmia um, or a mental. Uh, too much mental or cognitive uh, work that's simply uh, mentally fatiguing and or physically fatiguing. Um, you know, and one of the one of the things that we want to focus on as well is just I, I, I'm not convinced that organizations are getting a kind of university level understanding of fatigue and how it affects uh, their employees and ultimately what they're doing at their organization, whatever it is they're, they're making or processing or, or, or constructing. 
uh, the operations that they're conducting, any of it. I'm not convinced that they really, really understand fatigue at a level that they can, again, make really great uh, um, contributions and, and, uh, and decisions based on that information. So one of the things that we're doing is uh, we're looking at uh, fatigue risk management. And the best thing to start or best place to start with that is through a, a sound education. Uh, you know, we discuss what human fatigue really is, how sleep works. You know, raise your hand if you're human, right? We all need it. And, and so, um, you know, how does sleep really work? And, and uh, how do, um, you know, threats to uh, uh, your sleep or not prioritizing good rest and sleep, not only individually, but organizationally, making sure folks understand that, how does that affect the bottom line? Um, from a safety point of view, from a cost effectiveness point of view, like in terms of rework, human error, you know, th those types of things. And then ultimately operational and, and potentially reputational risk. If you wind up with, you know, God forbid, a, 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 you know, a fatal mishap or a mishap that costs a lot of money and winds up on the evening news. So we want to look at fatigue risk management in such a way that it's sustainable systematic. Uh, one of the things that I've seen is that a lot of companies might think that they have, uh, you know, their hands around the fatigue issue. Uh, but when you really peel the onion back a little bit further, you, you, you recognize that uh, maybe the fatigue uh, system or program that they have in their organization is, you know, a few lines in a policy that's, you know, five or six years old, it hasn't been dusted off very, very much. New employees didn't even know it was there. Um, it's not necessarily um, a, a, uh, a behavior that leaders are uh, demonstrating throughout their day-to-day -day operations. Um, you know, what we want our leaders to pattern a behavior that the rest of the, the, uh, the team can see and reproduce. And so within the realm of fatigue management, that's a, that's a really important thing. And so it's, it's a lot more than just getting, you know, a few words on paper saying, hey, get enough sleep at night. And, uh, you know, here's your, here's, your, here's your hours that you can work and make sure you're managing your life on, on the outside of those parameters. I think it's a little bit more than that. And I think we as performance uh, um, specialists are, we owe it to uh, folks to, to teach them, to tell them, hey, you know, there's a lot more to this than, than what you might think. And the more information and education you have, uh, the better off you'll be when you're dealing with fatigue related issues. Yeah, you, you're, you're spot on and, and you're talking and I'm thinking about my last two weeks, right? My last two weeks have been, uh, uh, you talk about fatigue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not, yeah not, not only mental fatigue, but emotional fatigue. And then there's physical fatigue that I've been running around left and right. Uh, yeah. and sitting here, sitting here talking to you, my hands hurt from all the, yeah. all that I had to do. But, uh, you know, it, how, it did that, how did that affect your sleep? Just, you know, just how did the last two weeks of your life, the life stressors that you've experienced, how did that affect your sleep? Yeah, no, I, I, my eyes burn. So that'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So it it uh, definitely disrupted a lot of my uh, normal day to day pattern uh, yeah. because it's just external stresses that you don't 
make room for you don't yeah. right so yeah um so as you talk and i'm like yeah that's true yeah that's true um but you also mentioned uh risk management yeah. uh because as i'm thinking about all the things that i've been through the last two weeks um there's a lot of potential for errors and for uh for all kinds of stuff really um but more uh more on the side of risk and so you learn to manage risk um but uh what is risk in terms of the scope of what human performance uh a human and organizational performance yeah so so we we all face risk uh in our lives there's there's hazards and then there's risk hazards are those things that will hurt you and risk is kind of the probability if you will and this is an in the nutshell kind of explanation but uh risk is the the, the probability of that hazard potentially hurting you or damaging equipment or harming you know uh uh you know organizational reputation whatever you know a financial risk any whatever the the, the hazard is um or the threat if you will and so um risk is really the probability it's managing probability and, and so how often do we see organizations managing the probability of risk with humans uh, with regard to their performance in their everyday job? We see really wonderful efforts within the safety community to try and identify hazards and manage the risk. But I would challenge folks to deliberately approach risk in such a way that, you know, you're measuring it. In, in an understandable way throughout the entire organization. So everyone from the top to the bottom of the organization understands what the hazards are and the risks associated with that and what it's gonna take to reduce that risk to what we refer to as a, a level that's called as low as reasonably practical or as low as reasonably tolerable by senior executives within the organization. You know, we, we live in a world that, I mean, it's, it's hazard laden world out there, man. There's a lot of stuff that will hurt you, that will damage equipment, uh, you know, that, that will that will kill us, quite mm -hmm. frankly. And, and we're, we constantly have to have this understanding of what those hazards are and how to manage that risk. So we kind of get into some discussions about uh, um, individual risk assessments and then formalized risk assessments. Individual risk assessments would be ones that you and I would make every day. Like the example I gave, getting into the car. You know, I, I personally walk around my car to make sure that, hey, do I have a flat tire? Uh, I have a big Jeep. So I'm, you know, I'm looking at, you know, is there a cat sleeping up under the, you know, is my dog resting under the thing, you know, under the Jeep getting shaken? You know, so you do a quick walk around, you're looking at hazards, that kind of thing. Then you make a risk assessment. Hey, um, I should be good to go. Let me back out. I'm good to go. I'm press on. You constantly do this. That's kind of that that individual risk assessment. And that's tied into that situational awareness model that we were talking about before as well. But a formalized risk assessment is one that organizations make. And that's where you start to objectively, purposefully manage risk through writing them down and, and identifying them. Like what does risk mean to one organization is gonna be something totally different to another organization. And so have you defined what those risks are in your organization and if you have have you written them down have you codified them or measured them in a way that's agreeable to everyone in the organization and now you have your your risk 
um, your inherent risk. And then you want to be able to discuss some, some uh, mitigation strategies on how to reduce or completely negate the risk involved with the identified hazard. And then you end up with what's called a residual risk. And now you can measure those things. And believe it or not, when you do that, you actually start to, you actually start to, you know, start knocking some targets off the fence, so to speak. And, uh, and you start to manage and mitigate risk. And you know, without a, a shadow of a doubt, that you've got objective information and data that you can look at to say, yep, we addressed this. We identified this hazard. We addressed it. We, we, um, looked at it, we, we plotted it into a, 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 a risk matrix, we understand the risk that was there, we engaged with uh, mitigation strategies, and uh, we formalized those, we've written it down, we know what we did, and when we did it, and who we did it with, who's responsible for knowing those things, and the list goes on. And now we can monitor if that's working or not. If it is, great, let's continue that behavior. If not, let's make adjustments as required. And then at the end of a period of time, you say, hey, did we meet our goal of mitigating this risk? And then leaders can get together and say, yeah, this is no longer as high as it was before. That's an acceptable risk. Remember that term ALARP, A-L-A-R-P, as low as reasonably practical or tolerable. So it's a tolerable risk or a practical risk. Um, and, and you can move forward with that. You're saving money. You're, you're, you're increasing uh, levels of confidence throughout your entire employee group. The reputation of your organization just increases exponentially because people are like, hey, these guys care about uh, their, the, the workers, the people that are actually doing the jobs. And, um, you know, it just goes a really, really long way with regard to performance optimization across the board. So risk management is, is an extremely important uh, um, aspect to, uh, to any high risk, high reliability organization, for sure. So that's one of the things that, uh, that the Fantail Group, you know, we, we focus on that. You know, we want to look at um, a, a, a tailored uh, risk assessment, hazard identification, and risk management process, as well as some, you know, continued coaching throughout a period of time until the organization has a good grasp on it and says, we got it. And then we're like, rock on. Next, you know, <laughs> let's, let's, tackle, let's tackle another one. So, that's kind of where we're at with the with the risk management thing, and, and I feel compelled to say that um, I can, I can't really read this, but up here we're actually having a uh, an executive summit, uh, I believe twenty one through twenty three June, uh, at a, at a, a resort outside of Austin. That the the, uh, the information will be I think on the podcast, and you can kind of see it right here. Um, and we're offering you know this education and so much more, uh, you know, leadership. Uh, fundamentals, um, methodologies, concepts that folks may have never heard before, taking experience from literally decades of military and high-risk, high-reliability organizational experience, and just brain-dumping that on on our brothers and sisters out there in the workforce, because we owe it. We owe it to you. Outstanding explanation. Yeah, I was just about to ask you about uh, yeah. that logo and, uh, and, the, uh, and the summit that's on your background there. Um, you know, if, if someone, cause you know, half hour doesn't give us enough time to get you some stuff. And I would love for people to talk to you and talk to Fantail, uh, and even ask questions about the summit. 
if someone wanted to do that, how would they do that? Uh, the, well, they can contact me on my uh, personal email, rich.farley17 at gmail.com or on the Fantail email, which is just rich at fantail.com uh, or certainly contact any of the other people uh, you know, associated with Fantail, John Minyard, which I believe his email is john at fantail.com. He's kind of our point of contact and one of the co-founders of, uh, of the organization. Um, and there, you know, we've got some incredible talent, uh, with the team and, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough about the, the, the level of professionalism and experience, the depth and breadth of the folks that are working, uh, on this team, as well as, um, the, the openness and desire for, uh, the entire team to want to get out there and share what we know with, uh, with the rest of the community. It's, yeah, we're, we're chomping at the bit to get, uh, to get rolling with this. It's great information. A lot of people don't uh, get the opportunity to see it. We had the, uh, the honor, quite frankly, of having, you know, several, several decades of, of training and experience and knowledge and know-how and, you know, all the courses, as you remember in the military, you're constantly, you're a lifelong learner. So you're constantly getting, you know, training and education. And we want to take that and bring it to, uh, bring it to communities around our, our country. So yeah, the Fantail group is uh, a, a great group of folks. Outstanding. Look, I, I, I could listen to you all day. And, and folks, if you are interested in human performance, the human error, any of the things that we covered today, please re, uh, reach out to Rich. Uh, Rich, I'm going to have that information you shared as part of the video and show notes so people can uh, get a hold of you all. Uh, and uh, go to the Fantel website. Uh, I'll also have that link uh, part of the show notes and uh, video. Uh, Rich, thank you so much. Uh, I'm excited about this summit coming uh, uh, at the end of June. Uh, yeah. and, and, um, and, and looking forward to uh, hearing more great things from Fantails, great things from you uh, and uh, everybody. You know how we love to uh, end this show. Success to you. Thank you so much, Enrique. Thanks, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. Until then, success to you. <laughs>